We delight to draw near to you, gracious God. We rejoice in the many gifts you have given us. We gather to remember God's commandments. We seek for ourselves the wisdom God imparts. God sends us into the world with new priorities. We are grounded in the spirit that we might be discerning. verses 1 to 6. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is my stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Though an army encamp against me, My heart shall not fear. Though war rise up against me, yet I will be confident. confident. 
he will hide me in his shelter in the day of trouble. He will conceal me under the cover of his tent. He will set me high on a rock. Gospel according to St. Matthew, the fifth chapter, verses 13 through 20. Jesus said, You are the salt of the earth, but if salt has lost its value, its taste, how can its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything, but is thrown out. And trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A city built on a hill cannot be hid. No one, after lighting a lamp, puts it under a bushel basket, but on the lampstand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works. And give glory to your Father in heaven. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have come not to abolish, but to fulfill. For truly I tell you, unless heaven and earth pass away, not one letter, not one stroke of a letter will pass from the law until all is accomplished. Therefore, Whoever breaks one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does them and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. This is the word of the Lord. So in the scripture, the gospel lesson for this morning, notice where Jesus puts the emphasis on you. You and you and you and all of us. We're not talking about a self-centered you, however, but instead a reflective look into our own thoughts and ways. You, as a look inside ourselves to measure each of our faithfulness and how determined each of us might be or maybe even should be to carry through on our faith promises. Not an egotistical, self-centered you, as in, boy, am I great. Do you know what I did? But rather, a humble self-assessment. And remember, the mood of Jesus' teaching is not a soft or meek or certainly a timid you. The mood of the words are not whispered like, you are the salt of the earth. And all of those kinds of word things. And and it's instead the way that we talk about it. And the way that that Jesus talks about it. The way that Jesus talked to his disciples saying, you, you, you are the salt of the earth. 
Nobody else, not just our friends that we are comfortable with, but we are the salt of the earth who needs to, to pass around the word of God in new and special ways. And that's the way that we get to where we're going. Technology is wonderful. (laughs) So as we talk about you are the salt of the earth and you are the commander of the computer... We need to remember that, that this humbleness is all about is what it's about. In ancient times, remember, salt was very important. Without refrigerators or ice cube makers or dry ice, salt was very important to preserve food. They would preserve fish for the winter time. That is, they would salt it and dry it out so that they would have fish all winter long. In the times of the New Testament, there was there was that that One's life was, they, they would say, one's life is as valuable as a bag of salt. Wow, imagine that. I'm as valuable as a bag of salt. What? In 2200 B- BCE, before the Christian era, the Chinese emperor, to say you, levied one of the first known taxes, which was a tax on salt. In Tibet, the, the great explorer Marco Polo noted that tiny cakes of salt were pressed with the images of the Grand Khan, the chief leader of the people, and used as coins. Salt is still used as money, I'm told, among the nomads of Ethiopia's Danakil plains. Salt was used as currency in ancient Rome, we know that, and the roots of the word soldier and salary can be traced to Latin words related to giving or receiving salt. During the Middle Ages, salt was transported along roads built especially for that purpose. One of the most famous of these roads, the Old Salt Road, in northern Germany, which ran from the salt mines to the shipping ports so that this valuable salt could be shared with the world. Salt and its value extended to religious practices. We know that the ancient Jews offered their cereal grain offerings on the altar, the pyre. They always put salt on the cereal offering so that it wouldn't rot or get moldy. When they had new babies, they would wash the new babies in salt water for medicinal and sanitary purposes. Salt water would help preserve the baby's life. These same ancient Jews of the Bible would make a covenant with each other by using salt. Let's say, for example, Gordon Schantz and I are going to make a deal, right? But there's no written contract. Gordon probably wouldn't like that, but oh well. (laughs) There's no written contract. Gordon would take some salt from his house, and I would take some salt from my house. And we would throw it across each other's shoulders. It was called the covenant of salt. Salt was symbolic, in this case, of the preservation of the trust and agreement that we have. The salt flying over our shoulders was presenting, was preserving this agreement. In, in other words, creating a co- contract or a covenant that would be honored by both parties because of that transaction. Those listening to Jesus preaching and teaching would have known exactly what Jesus was talking about and illustrating when he talked about salt and salt of the earth. It's very important to understand that so that you understand the passage. This concept that that 
you have to have sought to preserve life is implicit in Jesus' teaching here in the Gospel of Matthew. And Jesus added the part specifically and directly about you as a person to this preserving material from the earth. You, you, you are the salt of the earth. You personally, you are the salt of the earth, thereby establishing that each one who believes... And faithfully lives out that faith and is bold in holding fast to that, to what that means to each of, of who you are. In fact, carrying out just what Jesus means in being his disciple. Salt was also important to, to, in biblical times because of war. Wow, we got money and war. What the heck's going on here? Salt, salt was needed for war. <clears throat> well, we know that, that wars were fought at the time in, this time in history, essentially using bows and arrows and spears and swords. So there's a lot of cutting during warfare. This was, this was true all the way up to and through some of the wars and the recent big scheme of things as the Revolutionary and Civil Wars here in the United States. When we do our program for the sixth grade class, the, the boys especially, but some girls too, are most fascinated when Josh Fink has his... his uh, flintlock musket with the triangular bayonet on it. Why are they so fascinated? Because it makes r- jagged wounds that they can't sew up effectively so they get infected more and the enemy dies. The, all the boys go, cool. <laughs> but what happened so that they could heal those wounds is they rubbed salt on them. That, that's where we get the expression rub salt in their wounds. It was healing but it also hurt. Jesus said, you are like the same salt of the earth that was both painful and healing. Here's a place we need to remember and understand that painful and healing in today's atmosphere in the country. Sometimes you need to make unpopular but right decisions about based on your individual relationship with your God. Sometimes it is essential to do the unexpected all because of who we are and whose we are. As followers of Jesus Christ. Also during this time in the history of the world. But not to mention in the gospel lesson. Is the story of a woman who went to the market one day to get salt. The woman was getting salt. This happened over and over again throughout history. Getting salt to preserve her fish. Because the winter was coming. She was going to to get to salt her fish. And the salt she had purchased at the market. But lo and behold. The salesman at the market had cheated her. The salesman had mixed white sand into the salt. In those ancient days, you cheated people by tricking them by mixing white sand into the salt. When the woman realized that she had purchased bad salt, diluted salt, weak salt, it was too late. Too often today, our salt is cut with some kind of white sand that is destructive and deceptive and harmful to us and to our society and to our world, and we can't preserve our fish. Sometimes we can't separate the white sand from the salt. So all you could do with bad salt was throw it away. But Jesus now takes that salt into a different direction and says, You are the salt of the earth. And if you have lost your saltiness, and you have lost your saltiness, and all of us have lost our saltiness, because like the salt mixed with the white sand, our effectiveness of both is gone. 
It's then that with these stories of salt and saltiness and overcoming the salt mixed with the white sand ringing in our ears that we look deeper into the gospel lesson for today and it's focused on salt, yes, but also on light. In today's message, it describes how we as Christians, or better as believers, that because of our belief we are Christians, we are instructed as believers to live out in the live our lives out in the world, mixed in with all the stuff of the world, the good stuff and the bad stuff, the interesting stuff and the boring stuff, guided in easy decisions and especially guided in tough, hard decisions, sometimes unpopular. We're not instructed to live only in the way we are gathered here in this moment of worship in this beautiful sanctuary. Or we're not not instructed to live only in the way that we gather in our living room or our family room or around a family table to eat a meal in the shelter of our homes. No, in the gospel lesson for today, we are invited to live out our discipleship where? In the world. Right Out in the world, to go out from this church, having been filled by the, 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 the table of our Lord, and then we go out together. Out to our schools and our places of employment, out to our neighborhoods, out into our circle of friends, out there in the world, which is often so dark and scary and challenging and troubled, out there in the world, which is often not so godly. It's our responsibility to witness faithfully. Sometimes that witness is simply being. And being who we are. And being faithful and true to who we know ourselves to be. Because through that is the example that needs to be set. Because you see my siblings in Christ, all of you are the salt of the earth. Not just one of you or some of you. All of you are the salt of the earth. We are called to be in the world. And when we're in the world, Christians are to be the light of Christ. Carry that light with them. What does a light do? When you see a light in the sky, it's a symbol of hope and renewable and and guidance in the world. You are to be the light of Christ in the world. There's a story about a little church up in the mountains in Switzerland. They don't have any electricity in the church because they can't get any electricity up there to the mountain. So when they get there early in the morning and it's still kind of dark and dawn is coming, they come into the church and it's dark. But they all bring a lantern with them. So by the time everyone gathers, as each person comes, the light in the church gets brighter and brighter and brighter until everyone can see everyone else. They stay and they worship, and guess what happens when they leave? The light leaves the church. The building doesn't mean anything anymore because it's dark, but that light is going out individually down the road, down the mountain, across the hills. And that light is spread symbolically in the same way that we spread the light of Christ throughout all the world. Our lives are called to be an inspiration to the lives of others around us. Our lives are called to be like a beacon that shows people the way. Our lives are called to be like a lighthouse guiding other people's lives through nasty storms, showing them a new way, a different way, a kind way. We are to be guides for people's lives. You are the light of Christ in the world. But these images of salt and light aren't just pretty and useful images. They are Jesus' own images used to describe his followers and to inspire, encourage, and exhort them. And to exhort uh, and encourage us in our collective ministry in the world. 
It shouldn't be a surprise then that these powerful images are part of the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus' most well-known sermon and his first message preached in the Gospel according to Matthew. As Jesus climbs up the mountain, Jesus turns to look out on the crowds that had gathered on the hills around him since Jesus started his ministry of teaching. There were all these people that came out of the woodwork, it seemed. Their, Their suffering and their need filled up his heart with compassion. Even more, Jesus knows the spiritual hunger and the physical suffering of the world. And Jesus sits down to teach about the reign of God that is even now in the form of Jesus' own person breaking into the world again and again and again. Like every preacher, however, Jesus is delivering a message in a specific context. My Christian ethics professor, the Reverend Dr. Marcia Riggs, tells us that God was already doing a new thing. We who follow Jesus 2,000 years later continue to watch that new thing unfold in our own time and place with questions swirling around us too and what it means to be be faithful disciples and about how to respond to the challenges we face every day. In every age and every circumstance, Dr. Riggs again says, Jesus' followers are both commanded and enabled commanded and enabled by Jesus to surpass conventional and institutional practices of righteousness. In other words, in more basic language, we are told and then given the ability to go way past the way everyone else and all of our institutions, including the church, practice righteousness. You know, righteousness, the practice of high-minded, principled, commendable, credible, exemplary, legitimate, esteemed, law-abiding, reputable, respected, upstanding, worthy, incorrupt, incorrupted, and incorruptible ways of being. Those are all the words if you look up. (laughs) If you look up righteousness, they're all there. And humbly, humbly witnessing to all of this with a saltiness that would make Jesus proud. Like this second generation of Christians we find in the gospel of Matthew's community, we listen with the crowd to hear that we, too, are the salt of the earth and the light of the world. While Jesus is telling us who we are and what we are, these metaphors about what we do and how we do it, and the effect of what we do in the world... They are dynamic, not static, but they need to be constantly moving and changing, and they churn things up. Professor Marcia Riggs again, she speaks of a distinctive capacity to elicit goodness on the earth, and then warns us that we, quote, may lose that capacity by forgetting that we are to disorder the status quo, shake up the way it is. By valuing those who are dispossessed and caring for those who suffer loss and seeking to do justice and lovingly trying to exhibit kindness and showing mercy and having integrity and being peacemakers and courageously standing up for what we believe. End quote. If we are salt, then we won't only find comfort and assurance in being something. But we will find our purpose and our identity in doing something significant. And that something will, will, thanks be to God, truly make a difference in the world around us. And rather than simply comforting us to the values of the culture that surround us, any church that adapts 
itself so completely to the secular world around it that its distinctive calling is forgotten and rendered useless, a scholar writes. And if we are to be light, it is really God's light that is shining through us. For God says, for we are not the light itself, but only the window through through which the light can be seen and is to be seen. As we do the works of healing, justice, and mercy that are indelibly etched pictures of the Father's love, we too need to do all of that with salt and light and love. The church is in a secret society. Jesus tells us that right from the very beginning, or, or as Eugene Peterson translate it, translates it, we're going public with this, as public as a city on a hill. Now that I've put you there on a hilltop, on a light stand, shine. Keep open house. Be generous with your lives. So, my friends, as we strive to live faithfully in the world, we may be small, but we can always be mighty. Not because of our own strength, but because of God's own grace, which will never leave us on our own. You are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. All of us, all of us together, we can become, because of our saltiness, the light that shines in the darkness of this troubled world. Amen. So let your church be gathered together from the ends of the earth into your kingdom. For yours is the glory through Jesus Christ, now and forever. And now let us join our voices together, praying the prayer that Jesus himself taught us, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins, as we forgive those who sin against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. And now hear these words of benediction. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up the light of his countenance upon you and give you peace. 
now and always, and unto ages of ages. Amen.